Hello. Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to watch the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your co-hosts, Carlos Cooper, with me as always. Joe Hilliard. And Dave Gurney. And Hello, boys. Uh, we're going we're to dive straight in because I feel, I sense it in my bones that there is much to talk about this week, so why waste any time Always getting straight lot. into the beer? Uh, so this one... Um, when you all agree on St. Maud, you know, there's not, <laughs> which, which uh, is, there's not a lot to flesh out. Which, well, is, which a, is interesting because I've talked to several people about that to go back. To, this is a reference back to last week's episode, so if you haven't listened to that, go watch. back and listen to it. Um, in my... Speaking to the, not YouTube, but just general yeah. conversations out in the world, kind of mixed on Saint Maud. I'm not surprised. Kind of I mean, mixed. It's it's a definitely not a what a pleasant I, film. It's not a it's happy not, film. It's not, it's not a film that's going to please audiences. Didn't ex- it didn't, didn't please it. me. No, it, it just didn't. it totally uh, impressed me, but it didn't please me. Um, it pleased, true. It pleased my fiance. I, well, that that was yeah. That, that was. <laughs> That was, an that was after one hours. of the biggest revelations of the After Hours last yeah, week. Yeah, that was an After Hours conversation. Um, you know, funnily enough, this beer that I'm about to open, <laughs> open a beer. I had uh, a can of it sitting in my fridge uh, already that Nathan had brought down uh, from oh, Austin. Interesting. Only the one can, so I never pitched it for the show because normally we need two to split between the three yeah, of us. 12 ounces um, especially. Uh, yeah, and, and this is a 12 ounce can, so it wasn't quite sufficient for podcasts, but the homie Devin came through with a four pack oh. to really round us out so that uh, we would be able to have you know, this on the show. When I bumped into him at Record Store Day, he was touting this, and I, and yeah. I heard him say milkshake, but for some reason I was thinking IPA. Well, he also... He did also give us a milkshake IPA to oh, do on the show. Oh, he's just that good point. at bringing yeah. you beer. Okay. No, he did. Awesome. Yeah, Devin always comes through for your boy. Um, but this is from Nine Hundred Three Brewers, a brewery that we are very familiar with out of Sherman, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, Sherman, Texas, and uh, it says Jeremy's on the front, but it's in the kind of Wendy's style. <laughs> and uh, this is milkshake and fries, milk stout brewed with chocolate, soft serve, and sea salt. Now, obviously, it says milkshake and fries because they can't legally i'm sure use the term frosty right um but it is a 10.7 percent but you milk stout when you were telling us that this is what we were going to be drinking today i was i was excited but i'm like frosty and fries what is that and and as i'm asking that question on our chat i'm googling it yeah and sure enough i find like 20 different articles that were written it seemed like there was a moment maybe five or six years ago where it was a big topic of conversation online i believe that People who weren't doing this were doing it wrong. People who were not dipping their French fries. You could not find the origin story? There was no definitive, like, I am the first one to do it. It was was more like... like, I want to hear that bar. It was more the awakening of a community that was already there. It was like somebody mentioned it out loud online. They harnessed it. Everybody who was doing it was like, yes, who who isn't doing this? And then me and everybody else are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, it's kind of like how in the early stages of humanity, there's a lot of different kind of religious ideas popping up around yeah simultaneously they're very similar <laughs> yeah but they didn't know about each other right. and so all these frosty fries people were kind of having this happen unknowing that there was That's others right. like them That's out right. in the world and then they found each other and created this uh, cult around S- frosties and fries so because ooh, it's melting a little bit um so it's melting because <laughs> I've never experienced this myself and now I'm gonna drink a beer that's trying to approximate it I felt like we needed to try the original, like the the flavor combination that they're trying to emulate this with this sense. beer. 
So I have with me, I brought to the studio just before <laughs> arriving. I, I stopped at Wendy's and I picked up a large fry and a medium frosty. And I'm going to send it around. I'm going to do mine first. But then here, Joe. Is this our first um, bringing in of food? I, I don't think, think we've ever had food on the show before. Yeah, I like where we're going. Right. Here you go. Oh. So we're just going to try to get an idea here of what the beer's shooting yeah. for. All right. I mean, the fries, granted, are not optimal temperature because they were you know, traveled from the restaurant to here. But uh, dipping into the chocolate, I'm kind of getting it. I mean, I don't know if this is something... I do like Wendy's fries. I don't know if this is something I'm going to do all the time, but the salty sort of French fry with that chocolate sweet cold of the... uh, the Frosty is a milkshake, although it's a super thick milkshake, I guess. So I went in kind of timid with my first dip just now. You're going back? And... Now, now I'm not as scared of it anymore. So I'm going to go back and get a heartier. I'm going to, I'm going to do more of a scoop this time. How I learned to stop worrying and love the flavor combination. Is that what? We're, <laughs> all right. So it's going for a salty, starchy with a sweet. You yeah. know, if you think mm. about it. So Kosa. now I feel like I can crack open this beer and pour it into my glass. Actually, kind of fucking with that. And think about it. Uh, I, I mean, despite having known that the frosty and a fry thing was was a thing. This is my first actual experience with it. Yeah, I'm just glad to share it with you guys. Hey, David, you want this to come back around? Yeah, yeah, I'll. I'll uh, <laughs> but uh, but it's interesting. It's interesting. Fries. I'm I'm curious how they're. I mean, just smelling the um, the stout. I don't know if I'm sold on just the aroma alone that I'm getting an approximation of frosty and fries. But I'm curious. Uh, Flavor wise, we'll, we'll see if it comes through. We'll see. Only one way to find out. In the heights. <laughs> That's our, that's my segue. It's a segue. That's our film. This we're doing. We, we were supposed to jump in and start harmonizing I with you, and yeah, we hadn't choreographed dan- anything. A, a but it would have been interesting plan. to see what we could have come up with on the fly. Um, Although I don't think our dance routine would have played in this format. Headphones. Okay, so I uh, we're doing in the heights. This is the new release by John M. Chu. Of course, I think the thing he's probably most well known for is uh, crazy, crazy rich Asians from 2018, which is a phenomenon. And his next project is Wicked. The they're going to do a screen adaptation of oh, Wicked. Oh, is he really? Yeah, okay. TBA. That seems ill advised. Yeah, it looks like it's in pre-production. Um, but it's a it's a musical. It's Lin Manuel. What's his name? Lin Manuel Miranda. Miranda. His, he's well known, of course, for Hamilton, mm-hmm. but this is the Broadway Phenomenal. play that preceded Hamilton on stage. The movie's coming out after the fact. And unlike the Hamilton movie version, which is just a videotaping of a stage performance, you know, well, well cut and produced. Yeah. This is your full blown movie musical. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we are what we are taught at the beginning is that Washington Heights is a neighborhood in Manhattan, and we're told in the film that it's filled with uh, primarily the product of, of immigration from Latin countries. Carlos? Spanish-speaking countries. Yeah. Uh, yes, and we are, and yes, we're going to be using the term Latino throughout this episode, which I realize is a bit reductive and um, uh, encompasses a lot of different Spanish-speaking cultures from Central and South America. Um, and at some point we'll find a better term for that but for right now even though it does seem a bit reductive we do not mean it in any demeaning kind of way but for the sake of being able to 
concisely express what it is that we are going for, that is the term that we. If have I get here on. early, I'll sit in my car for five minutes. And I was doing that and uh, came across what seems to be the newest in the mo- in the news cycle about in the Heights, and that is that the filmmakers are being uh, accused of whitewashing the the film. That the um, I did have this thought at one point. Uh, and that, and I guess, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda. Miranda. I know his name. I don't know why it's not coming to me in this moment. It's but a uh, has released a you know a, a response. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the that this the filmmakers had the best intention, and you know he said it really well. I'm going to listen to the conversation that erupts from this, and mm-hmm. we can continue to tell stories, tell stories that are you know as inclusive as they need to be. Mm-hmm. So that being said, reviewing the film without that lens, you know, it's uh, it's it's a neighborhood in Manhattan. It's called the Heights, Washington Heights, Washington. and uh, it is the cast of characters because this is a full blown Broadway production. You know, so it's got a rich, intense cast of characters and plot lines. But Usnavi owns the neighborhood bodega, which is a hub of activity in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And from him and you know this opening sequence, we're kind of introduced to the characters that we're going to be seeing throughout the rest of the film. Uh, Abuela Claudia, the matriarch of the neighborhood, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Rosario, played by Jimmy Smith, who legally is- you have to have him in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> You can't have this big of a uh, Latino cast without, without Jimmy including Jimmy Smith. He had, he's yeah, it's in his contract with the universe. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I, I, he, he is in everything that where he could fit as like yeah. a fatherly, which is exactly you know, what Latino he's here, kind right? of Fa- character. He's, he's or, one of our or main characters. A, um, a Latino male figure of authority that's kind of like his fucking usually with a conservative old school kind of edge to it yes exactly he runs the taxi company on the Uh on the other corner and his daughter is nina who is has become the hope of the neighborhood in that she went to stanford she's returning from her freshman year she got out of the barrio uh, yeah, and she's. It's, it, the film presents that she kind of carries a weight on her shoulders for the responsibility of that, Absolutely. even though everyone has her best well wishes in, in mind, but her point of view. Uh, you got the salon, who's filled with colorful characters, including Vanessa, who has dreams of uh, moving to the to a more affluent area in Manhattan and pursuing a fashion career. She, her, she's the love interest of the bodega owner that I'd mentioned at the top. Usnavi. And then let's not forget, of course, Sonny. Uh, um, Works at the Usnavi's bodega. cousin who works with yeah. him at the bodega. Son who, of Mark who, Anthony. Who we learn is uh, is here illegally uh, yeah, later, later in the film. He's undocumented. And then that's the cast of characters that kind of presents a weaving tale that is... Oh, and I should say there is a central issue, and that is that gentrification is kind of come in taking they, over they, the they talk about yeah. how it's, it's the heights it's is disappearing making the neighborhood more accelerated and losing its kind of flavor of the neighborhood right. and the people that live there and it's pricing out the people that right. rents are going on historically yeah. Live yeah. There, yeah. and because we're in a musical there will be a romance yes a couple even a couple even yeah um yeah uh you know there's some other kind of fringe characters in there um 
Benny, who is played by a gentleman whose name I do not remember off the top of my head, but he did Corey play... Corey Hawkins. Corey Hawkins played Dr. Dre That's in Straight right. Out of Compton. Recognized him immediately. Immediately. Because yes. he does kind of look like him. The uh, yeah, he, I mean, as far as in, in that movie, Straight Out of Compton, which we're not reviewing, but they got the visual kind of casting down where it's like, okay, these people look probably as much like their real life yeah. counterparts as possible, which was impressive. Uh, and then... He, he used to date the girl that's returned home from Nina, college and Nina, that is yes, still correct. sparking love there. Yes. Um, and then there's Dasha or Dasha Polanco, Dasha, who was from Orange is the New Black, yep. who I recognize. But the one that I was kind of the most Luca. excited to see was Stephanie Beatriz or Beatriz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, from Brooklyn. From Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Nine-Nine yeah. uh, plays Detective Diaz, who I love on that <laughs> show. And after years and years and years and years of watching that show, I found... I eventually one day was like, oh, I wonder if this actress or person has an Instagram. I wonder what else they do outside of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. The highest pitched voice, the most bubbly real life person. Oh, in her own Instagram stuff? In in, in her real life, she has a very high pitched voice. She's very bubbly. She's an avid dancer. Uh Just the literal antithesis of the character she plays on the show, which obviously she's playing a character, so I didn't expect her to be exactly like that character because that would be insane to think that. But how different she was was shocking or caught me off guard at first. And so when I saw her, knowing how different she is from the character she's most known for, I was like, okay, I'm very excited to see her in something else where she's not bound to that kind of Mm -hmm. uh, type casting kind of thing. And I thought she was very funny in it. I I loved actually all the salon ladies. Um, That was a fun dynamic. The movie is purposeful in a lot of themes and that has to do with, you know, family responsibility and a lot of kind of immigration realities. But the, the central theme is the sueñito, or Little Dream, which is oft referred to in the film. And the, the notion is that every single person in the world, but in the story, has a dream. Uh-huh. And most of them are about getting out. Uh-huh. And, uh, or certainly succeeding in a higher state than you currently live in. Yeah. And so the movie is really about the internal and the external reasons why we don't pursue or don't achieve our little dreams. Um, which, you know, it's a Broadway show, so you're going to see a lot of th- the thematics. Right. And you're, going of course, going to see some romance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, how, and how those little dreams are sometimes... That's the longest setup of a film we've ever done. Yeah, and it was pretty good. I mean, I get it, both, was, you, both of you did a good job there. There was some reviewing in there, too, so yeah, we're kind of... We're, we're, kinda, we're, we're inching towards review they, here. They've, they've, they've crossed. Yeah. The streams have, have crossed. <laughs> um, you know, I think also in how those little dreams kind of may seem very important at one stage, but then... Once one gains some experience, some understanding, maybe that shifts and changes over time. And their motivations, what's motivating people? And is it the real passions that they have that are motivating them? Or is it these outside factors or dreams that they have of something that don't really have the reality to it? You know, at the core, right, you have Usnavi, who from almost the outset is pining to leave the heights. Right. Um, he has an opportunity to buy his father's bar in the Dominican Republic. Where right. He to go back from, to the DR. Which he calls over and over again, the best years of my life. Right. Rose-colored glasses, for sure. Yeah. And and honestly, right, we're led to believe, given the framing mechanism of the musical, which is, this is supposedly a story being told to some young children right. hanging out with Usnavi at a later time. At the bar. Yeah. At the 
on we the think. island. <laughs> throughout, the, throughout the film, it goes back to this device where the entire film, the yeah. entire story that we're seeing, all of the stories, yeah. are being told by Usnavi to a group of young children. Yeah, right. again, at the bar. And we know he's older because his facial hair connects into a full goatee. And he's wearing a hat. And he's wearing a hat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we're led to believe, we kind of joked there, that he has made it to the Dominican Republic and yeah. he's telling this story about Washington Heights, now in distant America, to yeah. this group of Dominican children. Yes, right. Spoiler alert. <laughs> not he does case. not follow his sueñito. No. Or it, does he? No. Well, yes and no. It changes. Spoiler alert again, but I, it, this has to be said. It changes so that he's like actually in this corner of his bodega that has been painted to look like his father's bar in the Dominican Republic. And I'm sure, I feel very confident that this works very well on the stage. Yeah. It does not work in the film. It's really pretty fucking stupid when it happens in the film. I didn't love it, but I was okay with it ultimately. I mean, first of all, I saw it coming 10,000 oh, miles sure. away. Oh, I didn't know. I, I didn't see it coming. Well, the uh, reason I knew it was coming. Until, you know, the last 15 minutes, last 15 minutes yeah. of the film where he's met with the real decision of, I've already put the money down. Yeah. I'm supposed to leave in the morning or whatever the device right. is. But I'm in love with this girl because mm-hmm. there's a romance. I'm in love with this girl <laughs> who, by the way. How do you feel about the romance, Joe? Uh, oh, wait till I get going. <laughs> Um, no, it's not wasn't that bad. It was just um, clunkily delivered and obligatory. Uh, but uh, at the end, let's just let's just let me just say this. Yeah, the children device is the worst part of the film. I disagree. And it, it, it does not need. I know. I, I, I we have a whole preamble before you say a word, Carlos. <laughs> um, and, and again, the device. We go back to these kids, and, and they're precious, and they're precocious, and they're you know. It, it, I don't know if I, I have not seen the play. I don't know much about the play. I didn't do research about play to movie adaptation, although those were some of the headlines that were flowing through my social media feed. Yeah, it's more to me about the idea that if that was in the play, it should have been excised for this because to me the story was rich and vibrant enough without that device. Yeah. I understand that it leads up to the idea that it's revealed that one of the girls is his daughter and he has married the love interest, and yeah. then she shows up and says a few dumb words to kind of wink to the audience, "Hey, we got together." Uh, the romance is a, a secondary problem that I had with the movie. But yeah. I, I don't want to paint a picture yet that I didn't like this movie. Uh-huh. I do want to say, though, that we have to talk about the selection of this movie. Did you like this movie? We'll, we'll get to that. The selection of the movie was, David, you and I had to kind of manipulate our partner here because we knew that he did not want to see this. Yeah, he, he definitely expressed that he was not interested. No, and I have been really eager to hear Carlos's take on this because, I'll answer your question, I have problems with the film. I think that we could have a 30-minute conversation about the future of the movie musical and its necessity in this culture and society, but I had real emotional connection with this movie a couple of times that kind of surprised me and, and made me think about some things. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think that the fra- the framing device is, it's a little clunky, but ultimately I was okay with it, in part because it creates a little bit of tension throughout the film, where it's like, it's so much about celebrating this neighborhood, and it's, the, you know, this mix of people, and them coming together, and sort of being in each other's lives. And community. And to have the sort of framing device being a guy, I can't wait until I get out of here. I can't wait until I get out of here. It's kind of this weird tension counterpoint that's like Vanessa too yeah she was eager to to get away right this idea that like 
well, but what you have here is so wonderful and you're all together and it's all so, you know, lovely. Why would you ever want to leave? Well, there's broccoli and prices. Well, and then the one person that does leave wants to come back. Yeah, right. Of course. Right. Of course. So, you know, and I, but I appreciate that they bring in a little bit of tension there and kind of like, okay, because I do think, you know, what you were saying, Joe, earlier about like, and, and what's the term? I've already lost it. Little Gentrification? dreams. Gentrification? No, little dreams. Suenito? Suenito. That, that this the idea, tilde. I think that's very. Suenito. Suenito. He's the one that said Suenito. Suenito. He's the one from Maine. Yeah, no, don't. I I have no Spanish language uh, capabilities at all. I I apologize already for all of the butchering I will do as I try to butcher away, good sir. But, But my point is, like, that to me is very relatable. This idea that wherever you're from, is never good. It's never good. Enough. There's always this sense that, like, I need to find... Grass is greener. Yeah, the grass is greener. It's it's a universal theme. Now, as much as this film is very specific and it's about a certain neighborhood in a certain city with but, a certain mix of, of different characters that, you know, versions of mm-hmm. exist in, in that neighborhood, that even if it's the best place in the world, New York City, mm-hmm. they're surrounded by... This is the cultural capital of the world. And you forget that so quickly when you're like, well, but these people constantly want to escape this neighborhood. They feel trapped in this neighborhood. They feel like they need, because it's where they came from, it's where they came. And it's only once they get some sort of glimpses of what is outside and how good the things are within the, the neighborhood that they start to be able to appreciate it a little bit more. So that to me, that's a story that I really understand, even though I have no actual connection to this neighborhood and this particular group of people it's a very relatable kind of tension that i feel like it was there for me when i was younger mm-hmm. everybody i knew growing up and even to this day you know the people i meet Carlos, you going last is that how i'm taking it well that's what you said no so i was waiting I said, <laughs> I said i'm waiting to hear what you had to say oh you said that there had to be like a whole preamble thing. that was the I'm preamble <laughs> that you did not mic. want to see this uh, yeah, I did yeah, not want I to see I imagined this. that you went in with some pretty low expectations because you did not want to see it. This is accurate. Um, did Chew's work prior to now maybe give you a glimmer of hope? I didn't see Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, I think you'd um, like that movie. I think that I would, too. Um, it does have romance. <laughs> I love romance. I mean, look, if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know I've fucking love a rom-com um and i i certainly love aquafina who's in crazy rich asians yeah one of my faves Um, which is not the norm i mean she annoys a lot of people yeah Yeah. i can uh, and i can understand that she has a very (laughs) there's a very specific tone to her voice yeah that i could see some people not loving um i particularly like it quite a bit um but yeah i went in with pretty low expectations and i just I just don't care about this movie. Mm-hmm. That was where I kind of was going into it, where I was just, I didn't, other than the fact that Lin-Manuel Miranda annoys the fuck out of me, um, I I didn't take any particular gripe with the film itself, um, more so that just if I never heard him talk again, it would be too soon. Like, I don't need <laughs> to see him on the talk shows or anything. He's just an um, annoying figure to he's you. He's so he fucking annoying. clashes with whatever. Um and you know i watched the movie and from the jump i had some problems one thing that uh, irked me was 
when Usnavi is talking in the very beginning, before we even get to Washington Heights and he's talking to the kids, he is like, blah, 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 blah. It was in Nueva York. And it's like, just say New York, my guy. Like it's, and that's, it's not even like a regular, like I was talking to Josh about this before, uh, when I was leaving work and like, they do that in the George Lopez show a lot where he'll just throw in some kind of random thing. He'll be like, ah, tambien, you know, y todo, whatever, you know, he'll yeah. just, but that's like a normal rhythm to Spanglish. And that's like a thing that a lot of people uh-huh. who live, especially in like places like South Texas, where Spanish is a pretty widespread language mm-hmm. that people also speak next to English or sometimes even in lieu of English. Um, but people that speak both languages do that kind of thing a lot. I've never really heard anybody who, speaks both languages feel the necessity to say new in spanish when saying new york people just say new york i thought nueva york was a thing uh, i thought that was part I'm, of like the whole i've never heard anybody say that and i've lived what about in new... spanish-speaking areas almost anal- my but, entire but, but life but let's analyze yeah. that in maybe the larger you're, scope you're of right. things because that's pretty granular well no but but i'm saying so like there was that this, like purposeful and <clears throat> i also i also think that i you know you said that they were criticized for kind of whitewashing a little bit in this movie. And I kind of thought about that a little bit with the Abuela character specifically, but also as a light skinned Latino, I know that there are people from Mexico that are as light complected as me and have red hair, like Mm -hmm. Spanish speaking people from Spanish speaking countries, Latinos in general, Spaniards, the whole nine, like we come in all different shapes, sizes and colors, you know, like, and so I think, I think that criticism is somewhat unfairly levied against them in this case, although I wouldn't discredit anybody that had that gripe, so I'm very much in between on that thing. I understand (laughs) how it can be a criticism, but I also think that maybe it's a little unfair because there are a lot of... I think they run the gamut in this movie of like. It seemed to me like there was a pretty broad spectrum of... I I thought so too, but I could definitely understand the criticism as well. So, But but, but aside from that, uh, it's very... It's very on both sides of the equation where, like, they do acknowledge that this Latino community is made up of Dominicans yeah. and Puerto Ricans and Cubans. scene that kind of, and, where they have, all get to call out and show and, their flags. And, yeah, and so we are acknowledging that a neighborhood like this ex- isn't one thing, but is a bunch of different people from a bunch of different places mm-hmm. whose cultures are all slightly a little bit different. But yeah. at the same time... In other parts of the film, we have a very monolithic representation of Latinos and that we're all Spanish-speaking salsa dancers and stuff like that, Mm. and especially in a place like New York. I mean, maybe not as much in this specific neighborhood because it is kind of insular, but in America in general, the descendants of immigrants often lose touch with the culture of where they came from and lose the language and stuff because you're taught not to play up that side of you very much because you don't want to be discriminated against. You want to assimilate. Like that's my family. Like my whole family assimilated very intensely to where I'm the second generation of non-Spanish speaking people, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I don't know. It plays both sides in a very weird way. Aside from that, Joe, I understand completely what you're saying about having these kind of surprising emotional connecting moments. Tell for, me one. Because for me, it came out of nowhere. Like it, an it, hour 45 into this movie, all of a sudden, I'm like crying yes. at Sonny. Dude. Like when that scene happens at the protest, I was like, I was fucking moved by that. Yeah. But before that, I paused the film and I looked at the timestamp and I looked at Kylie and I was like, it was, we were 55 minutes in and I looked at Kylie and I was like, what has happened so far? 
and she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, so far I've learned that everybody has a dream and we are one hour into this movie. Yeah. Into this two and a half hour movie. Right. An hour in, we have learned everyone has a dream. That's it. Like, Fuck you. This movie does not need to be two and a half hours. Just singing and dancing in that. But not even and and okay, so so that happened. Um and uh there were some there were some scenes that were very, very predictable, like what happens with Abuela, like saw it coming ten thousand miles away. They're talking about how hot it is and the first title card you get is eighty two degrees. Fuck you. It gets so much hotter down here. Like I remember I've 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 gone to I've you know, I've done some traveling during the summertime. And in other parts of the country, they'll be like, oh, man, it's 85 degrees today. And I want to tell them to go straight to hell. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a tough one to watch there. in June in South Texas. It is. And it think, is. Yeah, but yeah. but my, last, my last couple of criticisms very quickly is on the balcony scene when Benny and Nina are talking to each other. Holy J.J. Abrams, Batman, there is so much lens flare in that scene. I could not stand it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I almost threw up. It was like what did you What did you think about to... the dance on the side of the building? I did like that, actually. Yeah, like that was that. pretty cool. See, there, there are some very brilliant film, technical... Which I'm imagining was, du- was a duplication of some kind of twisting... Yes, the uh, set had to have moved. Where they duplicated that in the, in the, on stage. Techni- sure. Technically, yeah, there's a lot probably, of achievements probably, in this yeah. film. Like the, the big numbers and all, all of the hmm. kind of like technical aspects of putting together a production of this this scale is very impressive mm. but my final two things and then i never have to say anything about this movie ever again i will never find a hip-hop musical interesting uh musicals are inherently corny and cheesy and they're kind of dorky and trying to make it cool by adding something like hip-hop or if you tried to make like a punk well, rock musical dorky or, hip-hop or, that's a hang-up of yours no 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 i believe we're having a generational conversation no right it's now, not that we're having generational conversation i understand that there is dorky hip-hop but this Everything Lin Manuel Miranda does very clearly reads as I'm going to make musicals cool by making people rap, by having people rap. I'm cool because I have a technical proficiency of being able to rap in rhythm and quickly, and that makes me cool. I, I mean, I'm a fan of Hamilton. I am a fan of Hamilton. Don't care for it. I understand. That's fine. We, 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 that, we disagree you're, you're on the show all the time. Say I'm a Hamilton. Yeah. yeah. And Hamilton is on our uh, Alexa sometimes. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, because yeah. I got a daughter who's into theater and yada, yada, yada. There is an audience for the musical. I believe that that, I mean, very. What, one of my problems with this is that the, is that the romance made it the high school, the, the high school musicalness of it, the Mamma Mia ness of it. But I believe that the that the audience for these kinds of films is going away is dying out really i mean and so to me it's like does this film do anything that a non-musical uh, of this story might have been more effective I, well hold on my my last critique plays to that a little bit because my overall biggest issue with this movie is that i do not care for a musical where they sing boring ass dialogue i don't want to see a musical that's like hey how are you i'm okay mm-hmm. like Stop it! Like you can Uh-oh, have normal. Wait till the second half, folks. You can have normal. You can you can have normal dialogue and then have musical numbers that express grander themes or that are more like on a larger scope, big picture kind of things. And like I look to 
Once More with Feeling, the musical episode of Buffy, it does that very well. All of the songs you can listen to on their own because you're not hearing a conversation randomly in a song. You're hearing somebody talk about like a bigger thing that's going mm. on and how like and the the obstacles and the yeah. trials and tribulations and the triumphs and all that kind of stuff. And so for I think that's what His is last criticism is like 17 minutes. <laughs> it's long. not even 17. I've been talking for less than a minute and I'm wrapping <laughs> and I would have wrapped up much quicker if you hadn't have said that. Because I was coming back to your point, which is that the musical audience is dying out because we're still playing into this antiquated idea of a musical where everything is done in music, even conversations are had in music. And I don't think a modern audience is really going to sit through that kind of thing. Like if you're, if you have dialogue that's delivering exposition, just give me the exposition and then sing a fun song about like the bigger picture conflict that's Mm. happening, you know? And I, so I think that that is the way that musicals need to go. Or that, I, at least the way that I would find them interesting. I'm going to stop talking before somebody else yells at me for talking too long. And that's all I have to say. About <laughs> that was his quick wrap up, by that's, the way. Hey, th- listen, I, I I get it. I'm I'm not necessarily. I wouldn't call myself a musical guy. Um, I I have a few musicals that I like, and you know, occasionally I'll take one in. But it's a mode of storytelling, and I think if if you can go with it and you can meet it on its terms. I think this is a really fun, fantastic little piece of of musical film. Like, to me, the translation from the stage worked. I get it. I understand where you're coming from, Carlos. Like, it took an hour and a half to get to a point where, like, the stakes are established so that then actual conflict can happen. Like, it it feels like there's more than half the film here is is sort of the exposition part of, of things. But part of that is it's... A neighborhood story and it's a story of like these 15 different characters and, how and they where intersect, they situate yeah. and where they intersect so establishing all of that takes so long and I think at least from my mind the reason that it worked okay it better than say if a film that wasn't a musical that did that for an hour and a half before it got to a point where it was starting to really get to the conflicts of the film was because of the musical sequences. It's because of those those sort of big song and dance numbers that sure. are going on and them coming in and the choreography and the mm-hmm. and the various little like exchanges they have in the beauty shop and the you know the in the um that area behind the buildings where they're kind of having that big sort of dance off kind of thing. You know, to me those are fun moments. I was able to let myself go enough. Um to enjoy it. The, the thing I will say is, I think I would have enjoyed this film a lot better in the theater. I did watch this at home. Same. Um, Same. And, and I think I would have gotten a lot more invested in it because I didn't, as much as I found some of the scenes moving, I didn't get as emotionally involved with the character conflicts as I would have liked to have. I feel like by the end of it, I should have had more you know welling yeah. up of tears and i th- there should have been more investment there and it wasn't it was more just i you know i'm i'm digging these songs as they play out okay great on to the next one on to the next there's one there's a lot of pretty colors there's a lot of i mean yeah. interesting I mean, it was, it interesting was camera work fun I mean, to watch yeah. and, and everything it kept my attention enough at home but i think i would have gotten a lot more invested had i seen it in the theater although i i guess i'm in a minority because this film did terribly at the box office it I did not do well. It's my social media. Okay, first of all, I am or was a theater nerd. I probably still am. So I participated in Rocky Horror Show. Oh uh, well, let's wait till the second half to discuss that. <laughs> it came upon me. This is. Uh, it was so interesting that you said this, Carlos. I want to actually delve into this with you. It came upon well, me. Do it quickly, quickly, please. <laughs> and out of nowhere, 
And it was when Nina comes home and she sings the I'm home song and she's looking mm-hmm. through the chain link fence and one of her themes is She kept saying, Let me listen let to my Let me listen to, to my, my block. I yeah. hated that too. I don't know. I dude, <laughs> it's <laughs> I don't know. Um that one was one, and then when she gets okay, so the I said that her father owns the uh, taxi service, the delivery service, mm-hmm. and they of course are working through uh, CB radio. And there's a dialogue thing where uh, coming, she's home. the The daughter of the business owner who used to work dispatch is here. Let's get her on the mic. But they're rapping the whole thing, you know. And then when she finally says, "Hey," and that's all she says, both of those times. And Carlos, you can roll your eyes all you want to, but you this happened to you an hour forty five in or whatever you said. Yeah. I was like, <gasps> it, like it came upon me, uh-huh. and I was watching it with Aislinn, and I and I looked over at her to see if she saw me do that yeah. because who you know come on mm-hmm. I'm all man <laughs> sure she's weeping she's weeping oh so wow. before I came over here I sat her down and I said remember when that happened she's yes I said what why were we so emotionally what what happened yeah. And, you know, I mean, in theater, you learn the technique of of creating emotion. And I believe that while I've got a lot of problems with the film, at the end of the day, I was solidly entertained. I did not look at my watch. Uh-huh. And I had an emotional reaction with this film. I really appreciated the idea. And I, and I understand the criticism because that's the time that we live in. But really, I like what Mon- uh, Miranda said. And that's... I'm listening, and let's continue the conversation. It's a good response. And let's continue telling stories. If we got this one wrong in your eyes, at least we made it. But don't make us fearful of making stories about pockets of culture that me, as a gringo, don't have. I mean, I live in South Texas, and I love the community that we live in, and and I, you know, I I, I fully embrace as much as I can the the, the cuisine, I mean, all of the culture. Yeah. I don't want us to be scared to make movies that talk about race if we're always going to get on them because they didn't do it completely correctly. And I believe that maybe we just begin saying we're not going to all do it completely correctly, but at least we're willing to have an open dialogue and conversation to maybe propel ideas so that the next one is perfect, but it won't be perfect. (laughs) Right. And, and, And look, I mean, I, as I said, I didn't dislike this movie. I just don't care about it, but I'm glad it exists. I mean... Yeah. I, I mean, I really am. Like, I, if it wasn't, if you guys hadn't made me, I never would have watched it, and I probably would have still felt the same way. That I'm glad it exists because, uh, you know, specifically the Latino and also the Asian American Pacific Islander, the whole AAPI, I think uh-huh. is the uh-huh. That's, acronym, but I'm yeah. not positive exactly what it all stands for. Sorry. Um, you got it. Asian American Pacific Islander. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, just wasn't positive. Um, I think those are two segments of american society that don't have a lot of stories told about them yeah i mean you know we had the george lopez show Mm -hmm. and then there's like blood in and blood out and like uh a couple of other things here and there but largely then you get your occasional tax collector yeah yeah. but largely it's affiliated (laughs) with gang activity and things like that and so to have a film that represents that represents latinos reasonably well not perfectly and not nearly as all-encompassing as you know what how we really exist in american society is still amazing that it's there and that you know some six-year-old kid that you know is gets to grow up in a world where they are one click away from 
in the seeing hunt. themselves yeah. represented in a moderately accurate way. And well, so and, and I definitely, is, I definitely don't wish that it hadn't had been made. Like maybe some movies that we talk about that I don't like. Ari Aster, I'm looking at you. But you know, I know, I, I know, I, I, and I'm I'm mostly kidding so about that. So I'm is, glad it's there. This is Carlos going on the record. It's okay for uncool people to make things. So I'm I'm it happy is. that I'm happy that he's okay with. And that. I didn't say Lin Manuel Miranda isn't like a. You cool said he's person. uncool. No, I said that I he's trying to be another thing. I think no. it seems. To I see. Me. I don't. I, I. It's it's interesting. I have such a different. Uh, reaction to yeah, him and understanding of him that like I'm not a I'm not a Hamilton stan it, it it's not like I don't hate it it's I watched the you know filmed musical version mm-hmm. of it last summer when that that came out on Disney Plus or whatever and mm-hmm. um and I thought it was fine and I had heard a lot of the music before and I think I find the history somewhat interesting uh, but that aside um I in the interviews I've seen with him, especially in his Curb Your Enthusiasm appearance, I, I, I didn't take know him, he was on Curb. Yeah, he was His great. How I Met Your Mother appearance is I unbearable. I didn't see that. But see, the, How I Met Your Mother is unbearable. No, I don't not, know how no, you watch that. That's but, ridiculous. you know, to me, <laughs> to me, he comes across as a very sort of um, humble and f- for the for the type of success that he's had that he doesn't have a more inflated ego that he doesn't come off as more cold and kind of yeah. th- to me that's a that's My a criticism of him isn't about his ego though right well you're saying but he he's trying to be more than a theater nerd and and oh come on and i kind of get that but at the same time Grab it's the like celebrity that you can and the cast that comes with yeah it. so come so on. i'm i find him to be an endearing character i was happy to see him show up here um, makes sense. Uh, I hated that he was in it. Yeah, oh, yeah that wasn't he, my favorite number. I'm glad, Put yourself I'm, in it. Okay, fine. But I'm glad he oh, no. on stage he did the Usnavi. He was at this. He decided film. to take a smaller role in this thing. Give Anthony Ramos the and, and the folks that are dying to see the theat- the, the, yeah, the movie version yeah, yeah, of this yeah, yeah. are going to scream their jeans when they see yeah. the hero. I mean, no, of course I th- he's. In I the think film. he had to be of in course. it. I think he had to do something. And and he has a nice exchange with the 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 gentleman that plays his role in the right. You know, the, yeah, people, no, the Broadway people love it. I just find that that's a shrinking, shrinking audience. Well, well yeah, it is. Who, who, who goes to, I mean, who can at this point, I mean, like Broadway is out of the means of the larger demographic sure. that this movie is made for. So exactly. I think to like yeah, make a movie right. that is specifically targeted towards appealing to the people that saw it on Broadway in this case is not the move. In the Hamilton case, sure. Well, I don't Everybody think that possibly could see the Hamilton stage production went and saw it because that was the, the such tour, an the, ridiculous the touring, phenomenon. The touring uh, ones that they'll the, do the touring on those ba- major shows. For so sure. it comes to a city about two hours away from us. But In the, the Heights are didn't... affordable-ish. But the theatrical production of In the Heights didn't reach those heights. No. But I'm... But... <laughs> So it doesn't make as much... It, in the Heights? In Hamilton, it makes sense to uh, appeal that way. In this movie, it doesn't make oh, as much sense. Oh, do you sense. think In the Heights is going to get a revival? See, Broadway, I wouldn't doubt it. I, I totally. Broadway has the problem that Hollywood does, and that's in, cha- in chasing the most money possible, we are diluting our content. All of the adaptations, Spider-Man, I mean, is yeah. the worst example, but it's American a very Idiot. good example. Yeah. The Green Day thing, right. stupid. Stupid, unless it makes money, unless it gets which asses it, Which in the it did. But so, I mean, I mean, Broadway itself is yeah. kind of diluted itself. Yeah. In the Heights and Hamilton are both original productions, and I think that they have a lot of... I mean, they're showing you someone that is yeah. more exceptional than maybe other theater right. nerds. And also, so much money got put into adapting a thing. And, like, you know, we, we talked about it with A Quiet Place last week. 
that you know i didn't care for, for that movie i actually felt very similarly about that movie that i feel about this one but the same way that i'm glad this movie exists because of its representation of a group of people that aren't largely represented i like that a quiet place exists because it represents original ideas on film and all of the money that got put into this i mean somebody had an idea for a film first that money could have gone to to make and that rather than adapting something that wasn't originally designed to be a film but now you know and so yeah we'll, you know. we'll probably talk about the business end of the whole thing and hbo max and the concurrent thing and after hours and and i also heard a, a amazing interview with francis ford coppola that i want to talk about in after okay. hours as and, well but the business end of this is interesting because yeah. we call it an 11 million dollars over the weekend a, a, a flop in well in this is a 50 million dollar budget era. film but I was, also I was literally about to but also the hbo was. max factors into it we'll talk about that now it really does and also, then once you get also into, last yeah. week i posted the after hours on time, baby. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> another enticement. So we folks. are we are coming up. <laughs> Patreon.com slash beer and movie podcast. You know what the fucking deal is. And let's right give a shout out to uh number one fan. I'm still gonna give him that designation, Kyle Ferguson, who is waiting Definitely. for the second half of this with baited baby. Yes, yes. Uh, which <sighs> if you've seen the episode title, you probably already know what it is. But what I know that you right now are waiting for is did the beer live up to the actual thing? David, since you are the one that brought the Frosty and the fries and allowed us to have this real side-by-side comparison, David what did you think? A, David brought a prop. That's a theater term. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. I did. I did. I, I, I brought a prop. little insider this, lingo. This is, yeah. this is some prop comedy, folks. Uh, <laughs> Follow yeah, no. on video, you'd see. <laughs> we should take a photo. I'll let you do that now. Um, so, so, okay. The Frosty-Fry combination I enjoyed, as I, as I said in the beginning. Drinking this beer side by side, it kind of does a disservice to the beer, I, I feel like. Like, I don't understand the connection. It's got the chocolatiness, right? I mean, like, most stouts have a little bit of a chocolate quality. We've talked about this before. Well, I, they're certainly amping, I, amping it up for the purpose. If I really dig, I'm maybe getting a hint of salt. A little bit. But not enough. And, and not there's none of the starchiness that you get with the fry. There's none of the... To me... This is a fine stout. I have no problem with drinking milkshake and fries from 903 Brewers. It's a delicious beer. 10.7. I am impressed that this is 10.7. Although, as I speak, I can tell it was 10.7. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. But, yeah, thank you. But, <laughs> you know, right. in, in flavor, it didn't taste like a hot, boozy, 10.5% kind of ABV it, it, thing. It didn't taste super boozy. It's a little... I think I think where it kind of um, misses a bit is uh, it's a it's a little bitter for what they're going for. I, yeah, I don't, it's thin. It, it is. It thin. doesn't. It doesn't have a lot of body. And come on, a frosty a is frosty all about is, being yeah. one of the thickest shakes out there. One hundred percent. And like I said, like I'm getting nothing Midnight. that you need to. You need to put like potato starch into this thing or something, right? There must be a way. There's some brewery Corn that's starch? doing that. Well, or something like I think that. Potato I don't know. starch. You can get oh. starch out of a potato, okay. right? I mean, like I don't know. I I didn't know that was. A I thing. mean, I know cornstarch is an ingredient that you use to thicken things. Yes. And I don't know that people use it in beer. Oh my God, maybe we have just stumbled onto maybe we the have. next 
big trend in beer is adding cornstarch to your beer to, to thicken, thicken it. it. Oh, thick boys with four C's now. <laughs> One of them standing I, I for corn. Yeah. I think what you're saying, David, is that if there had been someone that didn't, you know, gobble down their very first experience with fries and a frosty prior to this moment, that this was part of their lifestyle, that they were in that like, you know, community that we talked about at the beginning of the yeah. episode, and then they taste this beer, they may be disappointed because yeah. the makeup of what they're they're clearly trying to do i agree wasn't exactly in, you know interpreted i do taste more chocolate than a normal stout okay i think yeah. it's a pleasant yeah. stout i think that at 10 percent, how much was the four pack six pack what, four, i don't know what it cost um, it was given to us by it was given well, us to nathan a, and oh, devin okay. nathan so, yeah. and devin oh, it was given to us it it's was, fantastic it <laughs> this is the best beer probably no see actually i'm actually the opposite of what you're saying is what i'm gonna go with uh, is that i think that the people who love the frosty fry combination, if they had this, they would love it because it is reminiscent of that. But where we went wrong was that we had them side by side. Oh, the beer captures the essence of it, but isn't a spot on one to one recreation. And, and so be. I think I know it's a good point, it, Carlos. The people so who lived with this as like sort of their regular go to would appreciate a beer that's trying to oh, bring guys, a little that's bit of hinting that in. at it. Guys, I'm reading the back of the can. We were supposed to put a French fry in our glass. Uh, okay, actually, Devin, the guy who uh, gave me this, um, he saw something on the internet somewhere and asked me if I had ever heard of this, but apparently. There is a thing that some, you know, very, um, mm. uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Extremist fringe of uh, craft beer people are doing is that they're pouring a stout and then they're taking a hot iron that they've <laughs> heated in the fire and they're like placing it in the stout. Oh, I saw oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw I've that. seen this too. What are they calling it? It's it, I don't know what it's it, called. What is the but purpose? It, it's supposed to like caramelize the sugars yes, in yes, the beer yes. or something, yes. right? And it's going to get it to a, a warmer oh my temperature. God. I'm going to say I just took the last sip of this, yeah. meaning that it's at a nice room roomish yeah. temperature. Yeah, it's this is a, a bit. this is an above average fra- flavored stuff. Oh, it's a, it's yeah. a, a ten point three stout. I don't want to. Yeah, ten point seven. Put some respect. Yeah, I don't. My apologies. The point four does matter, but but but. They're going for a gimmick. They want to put yeah. a can, some yeah. can art out. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate the gimmick, and I appreciate the idea that we got to taste this. Yeah. We've joined the community tonight. Yeah, yes. we have. Yeah. We have. Yeah. All right. Well, oh. we are going to join another community in the second half. Big or, may- time. or maybe we're not. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Will we be joining that community <laughs> in the <laughs> graveyard? <laughs> I'm All right. going to cut your dick off. <laughs> no. When we come back. Sign on the dotted line to Do enter you have into a beer. Do you like have a beer? Crazy I'm world. <laughs> are we going to sing this entire second I think half? We should. What are we drinking? Uh, Go. I, I cannot. What will I we cannot. drink? What will come in our glass? We need some beer right now. To what's in our glass? We need. <laughs> Okay. All right. Folks, beer first. Uh, we, we, we are... was a little too high. <laughs> uh, we have just what's, lost what's crazy our is, last listener. What's Sorry. Crazy, what's craziest about what's happening right now is this is more 
what we just did is better done than the movie we're about to talk about. False. I don't False. know if you know what right. you're talking about, but I'm still thirsty, David. <laughs> Go. David said false, and so now I'm real. I really have no idea what's. I will bring us a beer from a brewery that we have had before on the show. This one is called Ingenious Brewing. I think they're out of humble. Not mistaken. Humble, humble. Okay, okay. This is Aspicia Oscura. I already said in the first half of the episode, you cannot hold me responsible for any of my Spanish pronunciations. Yes, yes, yes. But but I believe although this is Vietnamese cinnamon. It translates to dark spice. It's Ooh. definitely got a Day of the Dead um, look to it, right? The skull can art here that we're looking at. It is a, a spice stout, let's say. It has uh, uh, cacao nibs, ancho chilies, mm. Vietnamese cinnamon, and vanilla beans. That combination sounds great to me. Everything that I love. Ingenious. It, we it's know, one of our favorites. Fa- favorite one, of the show. Yeah, one of my favorites. So, so adding to the tally of beers that we've had from them, Fantastic I'm excited to crack it. this open. And the Day of the Dead, um, you know, tie-in, I think, works well enough for the film that we're going to be talking about in the second half. We didn't talk about it. Can I synopsize this one? I think you should. <laughs> Do you want well, to? Hold Go on a second. It. You're very negative. We know that up top. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I don't know if that's how I, I mean, you're the one who forced us to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell um, that story to, first to be, and then To be totally transparent, Please. we said in the first half that Joe and I had to kind of strong arm Carlos into doing it, but it was a devil's bargain that we made because... It certainly was. To agree to do this, he said we had to watch. Yeah, so... I was going to be watching something I wasn't really uh, super hyped on. And so I was like, well, if we're watching that, you guys are watching this. <laughs> you guys have um, to suffer too. And we are watching the 2008 American science fiction gothic rock opera horror film directed by Darren Lynn Boosman. We just Repo. saw him. Favorite Four of the show. episodes ago. Oh, yeah. Favorite of the show. Episode sure. 143. Uh, Twisted Pictures logo. Uh, there spiral, it is at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is Repo the Genetic Opera. Um, a genetic opera. No, no, the. it's the it's genetic opera. But there is the. an exclamation point that There's I don't think Repo. Carlos yeah. uh, edited all that Repo! Repo! The genetic opera. Edit out my mistakes. With a soundtrack produced by Japanese rock star Yoshiki. Uh, One of the cool things I learned from watching this film about Yoshiki and is it X Japan? X Japan, yeah. yeah. Um, where do you fucking start with this thing? Um, the year is 2056, and there's an epidemic of organ failures that's devastated the planet, and the mega corporation Ginkgo provides organ transplants, and then eventually the, uh, most people can't afford it, Financing. so there's a, there's a payment plan where you finance it, and then they lobby uh, Congress, even though the world seems to be just this little tiny trash island, um, to legalize organ repossessions if you cannot pay for your organ transplant and they also popularize a bunch of unnecessary kind of more cosmetic surgeries as well so everybody even if they don't need it is getting into these organ payment plans much like student loan debt these days and uh if you can't pay the repo man comes a knocking and uh cuts mur- your eyes out murders you uh cuts out your heart whatever slits you, your throat yeah first because why i mean why not i'm gonna well, cut after, you open after anyway he cuts the heart out you're probably well, come gonna on die. you know he it. slits it's, the throat first it's much easier to operate on a cadaver than it is it's not sure, struggling. Yeah, sure. sure. Um, correct yeah and so we have this cast of characters um, it's a bouncy cadaver well, i'm done <laughs> uh we have this cast of characters. Uh, Roddy Largo, who is the uh, founder and president of Gene Co., started all of this stuff. 
Um, and then we meet pretty early on Shiloh, who is played really by poor Paul Sorvino. Yeah, Let's Paul Sorvino uh, created Sorvino Gene is, Co. Yeah, Paul, Sor- Paul Sorvino is Roti, Roti Largo. Largo. And then Shiloh, who is really the protagonist of the film, played by Spy Kids uh, star Alexa Vega, who I think is Alexa Pena Vega now. Um, her father is Anthony Stewart Head, who is this doctor widower trying to cure her of this rare blood disease. Uh, that she supposedly has, um, who we find out is the Repo Man. Uh, Roddy Largo has a ridiculous group of children. Um, one played by... One played by Paris Hilton. That's right. Uh, who plays Amber Sweet. Um, and then Bill Mosley. Bill Mosley. Mosley? Okay, there's a bunch he, of extra letters in there. He's a big-time horror guy. Big if time you don't horror know, guy. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, uh, the Rob Zombie stuff he showed Devil's up Rejects, in. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah, stuff like that. And then uh, Nevek Ogre, who was the oh, other one. Oh, man. Skinny Puppy. Come on, folks. Okay. Uh, <laughs> And then, Do you not, did you not know the skinny puppy uh-uh, connection? Oh, I didn't know. Okay. Oh, shit. Um, and then um, we have no. I'm just we have the um, person who is essentially uh, the riffraff of this film uh, to draw the first of probably many Rocky Horror connections, uh, played by Terrence um, Zdunik. Zdunik. Uh, Dunich. Yeah, Dunich. Zunich. Zunich. Uh, who plays the grave robber? Um, there's a whole thing about some chemical called Zydrate in there that's mined from corpses, but really isn't that important to the plot of the film at all. And, no, not terribly. Um, the, the, yeah, you yeah, know, there's terribly. there's a lot. Joan Jett is in this motherfucker. Yeah. Like, well, that really fucking floored me. But, um, but yeah, so that's really what's going on. And the main kind of um, thing that sets this narrative forth is that we find out pretty early on in the film that... Roti, Roti Largo, the founder, the patriarch, president, the patriarch the, the, of Jinko, yeah. um, is dying and is going to have to leave his company to somebody but who? Um, and the three kids squabble over the whole three thing. Three kids squabble over it. There's this... Uh, Without even bl- realizing that there is a fourth contender. Yeah, there's this woman, Blind Mag, who got her eyesight back via Jinko transplant, who is basically owned by Jinko as the singer, and she's going to have her last performance at the genetic opera and i don't fucking know i mean what there's a lot of other random shit that's going on in this movie so as i said at the top i made them watch this because i had to watch in the heights it was a dare you didn't think we would go through with it i think you Uh, you, you thought we were just gonna chicken out no actually let me tell you what really happened Okay, okay i had never seen this film until this and i knew about it and I had heard about it, um, and I knew that there was a cult fan base for this. Yeah, I've a doubt. Met, uh, there were some people I'd met in the past who, you know, very casually had mentioned, "Oh yeah, it's so good, it's so good." I had always wanted to see it because I had heard about this cult fan base. I had heard people say it was good. It stars Anthony Stewart Head, who plays Rupert Giles and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. who in the musical episode of that show, which I referenced in the first half of this episode proves to be a remarkable singer and yeah. had really have some vocal abilities, you know, and he, he got his start in Godspell at the beginning of his career, uh, you know, has you know, your, your favorite female vocalist is in the film. Paris Hilton. Stars are blind. Yes. I mean, that's promising young woman. Yeah, love absolutely. it. Um, 
And so I was like, it had a, a lot of things that would entice me to see yeah. it. And so I was like, okay, this will be a great opportunity for me to watch this movie. I got about a half an I got less than half an hour in and very consider, very strongly considered turning it off. And is that for, when you texted us? And for a, yes, and yeah. for a moment felt genuinely bad about making you guys watch this movie. That being said, this this movie is watchable to me because of Anthony Stewart Head. I think he is a strong enough vocalist and actor to get me through a lot of stuff that happens in this movie and also just the pure insanity of Paris Hilton being in this film. And I'll tell you, Kylie invested when I at 30 minutes in when I considered mm-hmm. when I, I tossed the idea at her and I was like, should we just watch something else? And she was like, I got to see what happens, man. Nice. And I was like, shit. <laughs> I get, hey. So uh, a goth opera, Massive yeah. gore, you know, massive yeah, gore. Yeah, yeah. Close-ups of body horror, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Family inheritance squabble, mm-hmm. and then uh, Mr. Giles yeah. is um, the Repo Wallace. Man yeah. with a daughter who's beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. presented beautifully in this goth opera kind of moti- always, always under this like moti- very pale light kind of thing. Lots of white makeup. Yeah. Um, it's a film that I think from its inception has a very interesting story. Actually, it, it does. It's a, a short, uh, a cabaret show turned into a short film, turned into a mm-hmm. you know feature film, and, and had a cult audience all the way across. I, I'm gonna compare it a little bit in that way to Hang- uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Mm-hmm. And maybe in After Hours, we can talk about some musicals that we do like. That will be on my list. Um, in that, it is a off-Broadway show turned film. Mm-hmm. But the off-Broadway show has such a cult audience that perhaps they can help do some of the promotion on, on, on the f- to make the f- film a success. I think that this is a film that would struggle to find an audience from the moment that it started. Because it's a musical... It's a full-blown musical. It's a, it's a speak-through musical. I mean, doing everything that you criticized about In the Heights. I mean, they yep. sing oh, yeah. practically every, every, every single, line single is, word. Every single line is sung in it, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. But it, it, it's horror. So it's a musical, but there's close-ups of body horror. So it's a horror movie, but it has singing. And I think that the overlap, the Venn diagram, if you will, of the audience for this film is limited to begin with. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, that that was one thing that struck me. So, right off the top, I'll say I loved this film. I I didn't and, love it, but and, I liked it a lot. And I'll t- and and there's a lot of there's a lot of weird reasons why. Um, but at its core, I'm impressed with the commitment to this concept. I, I completely understand what you mean. They I completely understand what you mean. The, Whoa! There, I, there is something just. It it took me a little while. It yeah. took me about 10, 15 minutes into it. Like when the grave robber starts singing, I was turned off. Yeah, they're I'm copying like, Rocky Horror Picture Show right now. Uh, that didn't. That didn't, I disagree. That, I wasn't I mean, getting that. I was clearly that. influenced by it. I wasn't getting that. But it was more like his smirky, like his his persona. I did not gel with. And he's that, one of that, the creators of it. And the he guy is. that plays. That's him. fine. And the, 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 you know, eventually I got away. Like he's he's a little piece of it. He, yeah. He he's fades. like the children. He in, recedes in the heights. into he the background. Comes and goes yeah. And he's annoying every time and, he's there. Yeah. And I, so I do not love that character or his performance necessarily. 
But once I got beyond that, especially like once Paul Sorvino started singing, he was I'm fucking like, incredible. You man. got Paul Sorvino no. to do this song like as if he's in was an that elevator. A dub or was that like, his voice? You think that was him? That you, was him. Oh, man do has you pipes. think it was his voice? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. At that age, I'm pretty sure because it was solid. Because yeah, I mean, well, this was 2008. His performance so was incredible. Is, that's like 13, 13 years, years ago. ago so yeah. he was still Paul in his Sorvino 60s. on screen in this film got me back into the film anytime I wasn't into yeah. it. He was so good. Yeah. I. I was in a similar situation because by the when he first uh, shows up and he's like in the car, mm-hmm. right, and he starts singing. Mm-hmm. Up until that point, I Kylie and I had we you know we were talking about it as it was happening because it's insane, obviously. Yeah. And for the most part, we were just like, if it weren't for Anthony Stewart Head at this point, I would be totally checked out. He's the only one that can sing, and I also have strong suspicions that Anthony Stewart Head rewrote a lot of the melodies for his songs because he. When he starts singing for the first time, he's the only person that has had an actual like melodic kind of song given to him. Mm. Like most of it is some of it is borderline atonal before that, you know. Yeah. And uh, but then once, what's his name again? Paul Sorvino. Paul Sorvino starts singing. We both looked at each other like, "Damn, this motherfucker can like." Yeah, he was belting because he, he was he was, he was talk it. singing up until a point. Yeah, and, then, and I was but, like, but "Oh, then, they, they just, but then he it comes from his it comes yeah. from yeah, his they got belly. an actor like, who yeah, can't you know, sing and he's just up. gonna talk sing." But then all of a sudden he started singing, and I thought to myself, "Yeah, they might have overdubbed his voice." But I'll go. With I you think guys. I think it's him. Right. I think it's him. Uh, you know, so. There, there are other elements in here that, I mean, it is such an outrageous concept. True. But I, I love the layering. It's sci-fi. It's horror. It's musical. It's got. I love it's the world It's got bits of created. campy comedy in there. It's the, got bits of the the sons. Yeah. The, I mean, the, when they're in like the Gene Co. factory with all the nurses around and stuff. Yeah. And out of literally out of nowhere, I think the character's name is Luigi. That's played by um, Bill Mosley. Is yeah. that his name? Yeah. He literally says. Show me something and I'll fuck it. And yes. it comes out of yes, nowhere. Yes, yes. Out of and he's nowhere. Oh, it's right. so weird. Not yeah. but so weird. Now that's, that, that's now the, if you that's know Bill Mosley, scene if that you we know see Bill with the kids, right, where they're battling over yes. the yeah. will. Yeah, it's the first the time we really around. see them yeah. interact. Okay, I have thoughts on this. Go if ahead, you know David. Bill Mosley, it makes sense. Like, okay, see, is, I, maybe I didn't have enough context. So what Joe is saying is right. Like, I think that the the thing that strikes me about this film and why it probably you know it wasn't a financial success. I mean, this film was like an eight and a half million dollar production yeah that, that made that, that the director a few hundred thousand dollars financed in large part right well lionsgate was behind it i, so know, but I might, think he self-financed like 80 of what i read is correct 80 yeah. percent of it and, and to stay true to the vision that he had paris hilton donated a little money as they went along yeah. to be able to it, it, so crazy i mean it, to me yes there is if you do the venn diagram of horror fans musical fans sci-fi fans like, cyberpunk who are gonna do this sort of thing like it it is a tiny little pocket that it it's serving but that that makes it all the more kind of i don't know just charming to me that like they were able to put this thing together and my god there how many 56 different songs i mean some of them are reprises granted yeah, there's a but lot of songs. 56 songs i mean in the heights is a two and a half hour musical with sixteen songs. Mm-hmm. This is this a is ninety an hour minute and film. a half film <laughs> that fits fifty six songs yeah. in its running time. Yeah. It's incredible. So, also knowing That's a little crazy. bit about Skinny Puppy and the, you know, so one of the brothers is played by um, Nivek Ogre, who's 
sort of the lead singer of Skinny which Puppy, brother? which was the, the, the one with the face, the, okay. the, the one face, with yeah. the skin uh, whatever malady was, or whatever yeah. that made it. Yeah, um, you know, he's such a strange character. Skinny Puppy's a strange band. It, it it brought in elements of industrial metal that I remember from my childhood. I mean, it's a quaint, it, it, you know. It's a, it, it, it brought in more potential folks for a potential cult audience. And I think that this film's biggest problem is that it was going from cult from the very beginning. It had to be. And you don't create cult classics. You don't create viral videos. You shoot a movie and it becomes well, a cult classic but or I think you what, shoot a video. Well, you said, and Joe, it, you know, like, don't forget that this started out as a small stage yeah, yes. production You're that right. was done in a club, basically. And then it, it stair stepped up it to got, what it became, and it turned into this. Mm-hmm. So I get where you're coming from. That there's something about like you can't engineer a cult classic, but to me, this is they something... they don't often work as well as the engineers believe that they're going to. Right. This is something that came from a very strange place in in a small group of collaborators that grew into something that could turn into this. And yeah. and to me, this was way more satisfying than I expected it to be. It was, it was more satisfying than In the Heights for me, even though I had that emotional <laughs> reaction to In the Heights. I, yeah. If someone invited me to a screening of this at Alamo Drafthouse, I would likely go. Yeah. I would never program this film at Alamo Drafthouse for my closest friends. Right. Um, there was good here, though. I liked the comic book intro- introduction that really kind of mm. quickly encapsulated the plot points that we needed quickly? to know before it got started. Yeah, I liked it throughout the whole thing. <laughs> quickly? <laughs> Those uh, comic book sequences pop up a lot. They, they do, but they move the narrative along and they, they allow us And they're us not to, that fast either. They're pretty long sequences. You're, you're right. You're right. Yeah. But quickly in the terms of the information provided for the amount of There's time on screen. There's a lot of backstory to this. I like, yeah. the, I like yeah. the visual of the world. I like the floating billboard cluster. I liked yeah. the, the CGI that they used to create the cityscapes against the back, the, 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 the crazy, the night, the nighttime. I'm a little, the crazy color grading on this. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like half and half. Okay. I do, I do like some of the stuff that they did visually. There was some, like, I think in terms of the makeup, especially that, I wasn't totally. I did. I didn't love the white goth makeup on on a lot of the characters. Mm-hmm. It, it it didn't seem very motivated to me. It didn't seem necessary. Well, I'm talking about cityscape. I'm not talking I, about I makeup. Gone, I, I wish they had gone. I wish they had gone a talking, little bit more for the grime and the gore with with the look of it. Like when it got more to the grimy gore stuff, that was where I felt like, oh, this is kind of funny to see a musical in this setting. Whereas when it was like more the white makeup and the brighter lights. It felt more staged, and so I I, I kind of wish they had leaned into the gore and the and the and the grime of it a little bit more. But that's a small criticism. They were trying to clearly parody musical. That's what I think the character, the interstitial character, the white face grave robber. I believe that that was just a parody of the musical device that you see so often. An unrelated, well, he's not unrelated, but a character that's that's off to the side a little bit that can pop up and kind of lead the audience along I felt that him in addition to the comic book scenes was a little too much guiding the audience along yeah the parody of the musical, though, the low point for me was when they was anything that the children were involved in. And I understand that that's the musical thing where the comedic elements come in, mm-hmm. along with like Three Stooges sound effects of bang, dong, dang, you know, when they're <laughs> goofing around. I found all of their scenes to be the least attractive to oh. me. 
I appreciated the comic relief stuff. I, I don't know. To it, it, it all kind of worked together. I, I was very. It, it, this film's a hard one to get your head around because it's so narrow cast and, and into I, what it's know, trying honestly, to be. I can, it really is. I can count on one hand probably the people I will recommend this to. Like if you're listening to this, you're probably not in there. No, I recommend <laughs> terrible. It's on Amazon Prime right now, and most everyone has that. If you already have Amazon Prime, but I you should say, watch I, this hmm, movie. I don't, I, I don't go there. I don't go there. Hold on. Especially if you like horror, because I think this is a checkbox movie. They tried something so interesting and fascinating that, of course, you should honor it with a viewing. It may not be your cult favorite. It's likely not to be. But they tried to... You said it right, David. They tried to do something here. Yeah. And I honor that, Mm. even if I have... You know, a couple of problems. That's, with a, that's it. an interesting take. I, I guess to me, I'm not going to buy the soundtrack the way I did American Utopia the moment that I heard it. Yeah. I'm not going to buy the soundtrack of In the Heights. These aren't going to be like a Hedwig and the Angry Inch for me, which is a cult favorite of mine. Yeah, but I, I appreciate the effort. I really, yeah. really do. Yeah, you know, it's innovative, and if we're going to reward innovation, reward this with a view. You and then know- you can say you saw it, and you can move on with your life. You want to know what my biggest issue with it was because there is there is one problem that I have that if it was fixed, I would love this mm. movie. Love it. What could they have done? Hold on, let's guess. What could he possibly I would, be talking about? I, I actually about? would like for you to guess. What could he possibly... It's not the inclusion of Paris Hilton. I found her to actually be pretty great. Loved her. Okay. I thought she did a great when job. When she first shows up, I was back in. Parodying herself. You know, you know, actually, now that I say that... Go ahead. There were a lot of moments where I was almost checked out, and then something happens that got me back in. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. at first, it was, like, the whole grave robber thing, and then Shiloh... And then the like weird underground room of dead bodies yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> that and like was cool. And, I like that. And, and the fact that there was like a security guard looking directly at him that didn't seem to notice him, uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. Like I w- and and that song and stuff. And I was like, mm, I don't know. Then Anthony Stewart head shows up, and I was like, okay, I'm interested again. Mm-hmm. And then I'm kind of starting to lose it a little bit. And then There's some cool gore, maybe. Sorvino starts singing and mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, okay, back again. And then, uh, you know, kind of drifting out. And then Paris Hilton shows up in a significant way. And I'm like, ooh, Paris Hilton's here. What is she going to do? This could be crazy. And then and it was. And then Shiloh's meeting up with Sorvino and stuff. And there, uh, there's all this stuff happening. And then the scene in the alleyway where Paris Hilton's there to get the drug yep. from the grave robber. And that sequence I liked. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I thought that song was pretty funny. Surgery. <sighs> you know, and I was like, okay, now I'm back in. <laughs> And I keep, I keep almost getting, take, I keep almost taking myself out of it and completely checking out, and then something would get me yeah. back into. We're it. watching him change his take during the show, and it's kind of exciting. <laughs> well, okay, but what? It, so, what is the thing that would have made it better yeah. if it had changed? I can't guess. I, I yeah, it's I not, can't think. It's of not Paris Hilton. If, if the music was good, yeah. You, that is that is my only gripe with this movie. Yeah. I can take everything else. I can take the ridiculous, over the top performances. I can take the insane you think color it's straight grading. Up bad. It, it is borderline atonal, David. I mean, like the vocal melodies in this movie are nearly non-existent at times. I mean, there there and, are there are moments, but that and that none happens none, with like the none of these songs would function on their own. Like if you bought the soundtrack album and were just like, okay, I want to like. You know, let me listen to the song. And I, I go back to it over and over again because it's one of my favorite, like, musical things that ever happened. But I 
own that Buffy soundtrack on vinyl. Mm-hmm. I own the sheet music for it. I've learned to play some of the songs. They are fully developed, hmm. fully thought out songs that can there exist. Were, there but, were a couple that stood out. To, 17, which I think is yeah, the one like that Shiloh that. sings like that. that Joan right. Jett shows up on. I think yeah, actually that one's not bad. Is and that was a of, fun sequence too because it changes from like normal bedroom to like the entire set changes in right, the snap of right, a finger and yeah. it gets insane. Th- th- See, there are maybe there I, are moments in this I film that understand. we're t- even right now as we talk about them that it's like there is val- there is yeah. some really interesting value here. I can understand Sorry. where you're coming from. I think when you do this kind of like front to back everything is sung kind of musical you're gonna lapse into those more as you're putting it atonal or more talk singing, I guess I would I Just would call not it melodic or like yeah. interesting. And I think we get some of that. The instrumentation's very generic. But then too. but there is some really decent singing in here. And so I don't I don't know. Like I think I think there's, there's decent a, singing but not good songwriting. Uh yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't I agree I agree with you. There aren't like there are maybe only one or two or maybe three good standalone songs. songs. Not even good, but decent. I, I have but an I'm, idea. but I'm okay with it having more of these like like passages, I, mean, I guess it is is the way I would think about them that kind of move from scene to scene to scene. Hear, hear me out. Next week on After Hours, we will agree that the three of us will listen to this soundtrack X no. times. Hold on, <laughs> no, and no. come back. No, no, I'm not doing it. You can't make me. Y'all are fun. <laughs> you can't make me. I mean, me. I'm curious too, but I just can't commit to. I can't listen to the whole thing. To, yeah. no, I can listen to snippets of each song. Or mow something. the yard and listen to Repo. <laughs> I like mowing the yard. I don't want to ruin it with the soundtrack oh, to this movie. Uh, there might be value there that we didn't see when we walked yeah. in. I, I don't know. It's oh. it's it's good. It's not great. It's interesting to watch for the reasons that I already said. If you have Amazon Prime, there's no reason why you shouldn't watch this and check it off your list. It certainly is interesting to watch. It's bad, but like I think it's a bad film. But I, I think, think but bad. I think that it is. I, I mean, I do think it's worth watching. Like I, it was an experience that I had. It blows it my is, mind that this is made by the same guy who made Spiral. It's insane. Uh, and also made after he made Saw Two, so yeah. he had made a passable no, film before yeah, this. He, uh, and he went he on, to, and he went on to make other insane kind of musicals like I this. I saw that and it, with, um, with um, the Devil's Carnival, the Grave Robber guy. Yeah. I think he, uh, he's involved with the yeah. Well, a yeah, lot of yeah, there's like a whole ho- universe of them that they created. A lot of and there's even types. speculation that they might do a sequel to this someday. I think that see that's but, uh, you know what, but they don't own the rights to this property oh anymore. that's so fucked up. why because lionsgate i does? think so that's so fucked up i would watch the sequel to this especially if now he's more successful and what i was going to say was you see this in hollywood all the time uh brilliantly executed in forgetting sarah marshall where you've got a day gig that pays your bills but mm, you really yeah. want to write the dracula puppet yeah you know which i would watch drama. that and this guy is clearly you know, one one for directing me, and one saw for them. films to pay yeah. the bills so that he can finance his yeah. you know fun passions for sure. I, and I respect that. I'm all about that. I want to see. I that. want to see the sequel to this. I'll say it right now. Yeah. I, w- I would watch the sequel to it. Me too. But I, mean, I but but I can't say that I particularly enjoyed watching this movie. It's I, weird. I found You're it. Right. I found it interesting. And there are the, and now that I'm like talking because I've been lit. Okay, over the I watched this about a week ago. I watched it. Uh, Tuesday night, this is Monday now, so like six days ago, in the last six days, just about every human being that I encountered in those six days who I even had a slight suspicion had seen this movie, 
I asked them about it. I was mm-hmm. like, have you seen Repo the Genetic Opera? And I was dying to talk to somebody about it mm. who had seen it, specifically somebody who had seen it and had liked it. Yeah. Because I just needed to... Because what were this, the results of your poll? Nobody's fucking seen it, and okay. it was very uh-huh. frustrating because this isn't the type of film you can talk about with somebody who has not seen it. No, it is it's so it's difficult to describe. Exactly, yeah. it is beyond words. Yeah, it is a experience well, it's, it's that you all have the to different have. Things it's bringing together, it's, and it I was, is such a f- strange mix of things. That until you've seen it, there's there's nothing else like it. There isn't, and that I've and, seen, and. I was I was trying to have this conversation with somebody so that I could wrap my brain around it, which I think is why you've heard me kind of change <laughs> my tone on it a little bit. Yeah. Because well, in, Kylie in, saw it. She she saw it, but even but we were having a hard time making sense of it together. And I was also having kind of a hard time with how into it she was, <laughs> you know, like because uh, because we watched it together and I and. How can there be an audience for something that you don't exactly like? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel no, that way well, often. No, well, no, no, no. It was just that we were sitting next to each other, and I, I don't know. I just because we had the experience together, the fact that our experiences were so different was difficult for me to conceptualize. I guess um, I think that's probably what it was. Yeah. Um, and so, and Kylie and I did talk about it, but her her take on it was more so just like, yeah, I was really interested in what happened and, and what was going to happen, you yeah. know, like, well, it's I, such I, a I wanted to see how it ended. world and, that they've constructed. And then that, yeah. We talked about it just before I came over here yeah. or just before we all got together. And I was like, but would you watch it again? And she was like, probably. And I, and I mean, come I was on. like, what? In we, the right we haven't setting. even really talked about, it, but think about it. Like, this is a film that really is about like this kind of corporate takeover of our lives and how sure like, like, like know, yeah live in life and death life yeah yeah no i mean it is an allegory Literal lives your eyes are going to fail what capitalism leads to yeah. is everything becomes a commodity including yeah. the things that are in your body mm-hmm. are commodities that can be ripped up i mean and look i and you know that i liked that yeah aspect yeah of it. i mean like, me too that's part of what sold me on it is like it's not just frivolous storytelling like we're gonna combine all these things that like they're trying to tell you a story about how evil capitalism is and they do it with industrial metal as a basis that i just think is fascinating and and the fact that they're able to pull it off the fact that they get the performances out of the people they do and and again i have some love for bill mosley i have love for paris hilton i have the love skinny puppy for the, uh, right uh I mean, ogre all of that stuff put together paul sorvino all of that put together is just like i can't believe that this was made yeah that's and the take i also of the week. can't believe it no that's the take of the week david you said it right at the very top the vision and the execution of this singular vision that is difficult to describe and diff- difficult to uh, subscribe to an audience mm. is noteworthy. Yeah. And now that I'm thinking about it, take of the week, patented this week. On... <laughs> I mean, I will, like I said, I am hesitant to recommend this to anybody. Yes. But I will absolutely say, if you do take the plunge, you will come away feeling like this is the only thing you have ever seen like this. Yeah. And you know what I th- what I'm That's the truth. what I'm realizing right now is I got too hung up on the actual music. 
Yeah, I can tell I, you that it's I, a fucking I, musical. You have to. See, and music well, is well, no, not no, no, fantastic. No, 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 no. Well, no, no, no. But but like David was saying, because there isn't. I mean, I, there are some brief moments, but because ninety five percent of this film is sung. You can, you know, when you think about it that way, which I didn't really frame it that way in my head, you can excuse some of what I have described as more atonal or like anti melodic segments of it. But I just really wanted the songs to be like Susie and the Banshee songs or (laughs) like, you know, the first ministry album or you know, new order songs yeah. or joy well, division songs or like, you know, something that's like really dark and whatever, but still like I wanted to walk away having one of these songs stuck in my head, Yeah, you know, which did not happen. Yeah, And I don't think would happen for a lot of people because there isn't anything in this film that could really constitute as like a hook in a, no, in, I, in I, a I, traditional I sense. That take completely. And, and so I think that was the problem that I had with it that I could, I, and it was significant enough for me that I couldn't think about anything else mm. other than it was a very Ari Oster moment for me. Yeah. Where it was like, you were so close, but this one thing was missing. Hmm. Obviously, in that case, he fucks up the endings of movies. But yeah. in this case, it was like, no, if you if the songs were better. Well, think about it. A body horror goth opera. Science you, fiction. Don't you, forget the science yeah, fiction. Yeah. Where you walk away. Yeah, Blade Runner is is consistent, like in all of the reviews of this. It's Brazil meets Blade Runner meets, you know. Um, but, but with songs you could walk away from humming along to. Yeah. A, a, a soundtrack you could sell. That would that be, would have been a phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. It would, well, like, it's like sequel. You know, but, uh, but, like but that's also like we'll industrial metal isn't tep- typically stuff that you find hummable and sure. that you're going to come away. So, and I've never been into industrial, so maybe that's a yeah. good point. Yeah, and, and oh, because I did have an early flirtation with Hate it. Nine it Inch looks Nails. like a Marilyn Manson See, I, video. I, I have love for Nine Inch Nails, have love for Ministry, have love for Skinny Puppy. See, I only have love for that first ministry album that's like full synth pop yeah the industrial no, I, stuff i, I, I like them care. when they went into mind is a terrible thing to add but yeah. do you have love for ingenious <laughs> i always do and especia oscura i i've been enjoying this uh throughout our conversation i'm you know ingenious rarely have i had anything from them that i've found less than very good and this is right up there. I'm I'm enjoying this stout a lot. I'm getting the little notes of uh, cinnamon and Ancho vanilla chili. and the on- little tiny little it's there tickle of heat there. Mm-hmm. I, I'm happy. This is really good. This beer is exceptional. Um, nice body too. Eight eight point three mm-hmm. versus the ten point seven we had in the first half. I'm getting more mouthfeel, more of a rich kind of decadent mouthfeel For sure. on this yeah, than I was same. in the 10.7. Same. I don't, I don't need to repeat. This is a delicious, fantastic beer. Ingenious. Have they failed us one time on the show? I think that they didn't they do that Queen. Oh, you're right. It was like a like quad IPA or something. Yeah, it was a little too much. Yeah. Uh, but that was. Posted on Facebook what we're talking about. But. Yeah, that was. That was more of a, uh, like a, but I can't th- drink a whole can of this. But that's like an Icarus thing. It's like yeah. they just flew a little too close to the sun that time. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. yeah, they did. No, this um, is fantastic. You know, I... How, how did we get this? Sorry, Dave. This Carlos, is here in our market. It's in town. I bought this at our local beer emporium. Especia Scora. It's got the uh, pink and green ingenious, you know... Brain logo. Yeah. Brain this, logo this in all, like a... On a Dia Muertos kind of skull. 
pick it up if you can. This is fantastic. Yeah, this and like a banana pudding kind of beer, right? Something like that. Yeah, I didn't bring that. I did buy it, you but I didn't it? bring it because I know you hate I banana, don't like banana. So I, yeah. it has a Donkey Kong. It does. Yeah, yeah, it has a Donkey Kong can. But I, I texted friend of the show Nathan. Uh, saying like, yo, some ingenious landing in Corpus because like I have said in previous episodes, he moved back recently and he asked me which ones and I know he had gotten the Beer Nana one okay. or whatever it's called. Yeah, I think it's Beer Nana Pudding. Uh, yeah, he had, I, I knew he had had that one already or had cans of it currently and so I was like, well, I, you know, they got this one that I know you have but they also got this other one. I'm not sure what it is but I think from what I can tell by the photo that the name of it is this and he was like, oh yeah, I didn't like that one that much. Too much cinnamon. He has a thing... He has a thing with cinnamon and beer that puts him off and that is automatically like a, I, I don't like cinnamon. Try. I like cinnamon in things as an ingredient. I don't love the one thing that I don't like about cinnamon is cinnamon candies. I don't mm. like a like cinnamon. Like the hot ones? Yeah. This, I hate those too. I don't like, like a red hot or a hot tamale. Right. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't like those. However, I love the cinnamon in this. Yes. Me too. It is. Absolutely. Pretty forward on the taste. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's but, almost like it's hard mel- to tell what the ancho chili and the cinnamon like they're yes, they're yes, in yes. partnership there. Yes, I agree with that one hundred percent. And but they're dancing a dance, aren't they? <laughs> they, are. they are a twisted dance. They're dancing a dance, um, <laughs> but a little mellowed out by the vanilla bean. You get that kind of sweetness yes. from the vanilla yeah. bean, and it is a very oh, man. it's Ingenious. very well balanced. They know what they're doing. Very well they balanced. They know what they're doing. Very good. Very good. After hours. Uh, yes, after we'll, hours. we're going to be talking a lot more about. We haven't shot our total load uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I see something is, I'm gonna is, fuck I, is, that, is that gonna be like the the beer in a movie musical is gonna have total load as one of his shot load. <laughs> shoot shot load. the total load after hours I'm gonna shoot my load <laughs> oh man uh, stick around on that note have you seen either of these? Um, have you had anything from 903 or Ingenious? I feel like if you're listening to this from Texas, you certainly have. Kyle, I'm sorry, but I think well, at least one of these had lactose in it, maybe both. Um, this one didn't. I, well, no, wait, actually, I say, I say that. It's a milk stout. It's a milk That's stout. Sorry. Okay. Yes, we would send you a can, is. but anyway. Uh, so you can Lactose-a-tolerance. get in. Lactose intolerance. Lactose. You can get in on the conversation. You can let us know what you think about any and all of these things. Uh, You know how to do it. It's 2021. Uh, Get at us on the social media. We're on all your favorite social media channels. Twitter at Beer and Movie Show. Instagram at Beer and Movie. Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX. Beer and Movie Podcast.com is the home base. Find a link to listen to all of our past episodes there. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. That helps us out a great deal. Make the algorithm do what it do and put us higher up in search results and all that kind of shit. Patreon.com slash Beer and Movie Podcast 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 i don't know where that came from um is where you can find the (laughs) this uh mythical fabled after hours situation that we have been uh hinting at this entire time uh five dollars a month gets you a bonus episode every single week to go along with the main episode you can donate less if you like but you won't get those sweet sweet bonus episodes and you can donate more if you like to really flex on a show that show us that you got it like that um we don't just talk about beer movies we talk about all sorts of things there but we do also kind of talk about beer movies a little bit more um but this has been another exciting musical arrhythmic at times uh a total almost entirely wrapped um milkshaked uh (laughs) sweet and salty episode of beer in a movie until next time the point is not who won but that we all had a suenito 
And when it comes to dreams, we had to keep scraping by. 